Well, welcome to the next edition of Disruptive People. My name is Andriana, and today I'm here with Jeff, Jeff Fieldler, who um, is with the Melbourne-based action group, Housing for the Aged Action Group, and has been there for 21 years. Is that oh, right? That's right. So tell us about what Housing for the Aged Action Group is, or HAG for short, yeah. and maybe how you got involved. Well, HAG is an activist group, fundamentally, of for older people, by older people. So HAG has a membership base of some hundreds of older people who have a particular interest in housing and are concerned about the importance of housing in people's lives, mm. and of course, particularly for older people. So, And they're all very passionate about that issue, mm. um, whether that's because of their own personal experience We've got a lot of members who've been through quite traumatic times in terms of losing housing or being in abject poverty because of their housing. So, and they come to our organisation sometimes for help. Um, and then after they've achieved what they need with their housing in terms of finding secure accommodation, they often continue their association with us and become activists mm. because. The lived experience is the best way of then generating, you know, the energy to help others, I suppose. Yeah. So that's the basis of the organisation. It's like this cycle of people come in for a service, but then they yeah. become, once they receive the service, they then become active in yeah. other ways. Yeah. Yeah, which and is great. It's, it's so different, isn't it, from the, like, the usual fairly passive model of being a client and you just yeah. receive. Yeah. We hate that term, client, generally. You don't use so, that term here? No. Well, we do, but we're, we're actually searching at the moment for a better term. <sighs> yes. And the one that we're sort of thinking about at the moment is for everyone who comes to us for help being a member. Yeah. So yeah. we invite, in a sense that we would invite people to join our organisation and then, um, then you can use the services of the organisation and you, when you are receiving a service from us as a member, you've got uh, an obligation in some senses to contribute yeah, as well. Yeah, it's more like a cooperative yeah, kind of idea. That's right. So, yeah, yes. So you, you come in and you're looking for some assistance, but because you're looking for assistance, you're actually contributing by yeah. seeking assistance, if you know what I mean, because yes. what your problem is is a problem that, lots of people have got yeah. and so by us working with you to help you resolve your individual problem you're actually contributing to helping other other people by mm. just by being here i love so that it's, a, it's like so you're, you're part of the bigger solution because actually this stuff yeah. isn't just an individual <clears throat> level thing it's actually yeah. systemic yeah that's right so as soon as you walk in the door seeking in a in that passive way seeking help mm. Our aim is for someone to be active from the starting point, from yeah. the first time they walk through the door. Yeah. So it just should change the dynamic as to as to how they see a service, but then also the empowerment of how they could actually be involved and then contribute. Yeah. That's, it's but, almost like a, it's a paradigm shift. Like as soon as you walk through the door, you're not in the usual paradigm of service client. Yeah. You've entered a community <clears throat> where it's reciprocal. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I guess we haven't taken that step because we, mm. yet, because we have to work out the dynamic of, um, uh, I suppose, uh, when you 
wants them to be a member, then that's there's an imposition there too because you're saying that we want you to be part of something before we'll assist you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, we're working through that, but I'm sure it can be done, done in a way that is welcoming of people at the same time and they're not feeling like they're sort of having to buy something in a sense or, you know, buy into something before they contribute. Yeah. It's a bit tricky, but, you know, I think we'll work our way through it. But like, Anything's great... better than being a client or a customer. Oh, uh, yeah, because I mean, we, we had the same conversation because I'm from a community development background and yeah. my organisation is Urban Seed. Yes. And so, so we have, um, you know, spaces where we eat together and yeah. the idea is, that, you know, you don't, you're not coming as a client, you're coming first and foremost to partake yeah. in this thing right. and sometimes we give and sometimes we receive yeah. and guess what, that's exactly the same for me as it is for yeah. anyone else, yeah. uh, which actually brings me to the point is um, how did you get involved in all of this 21 years ago because you're not a really old person. <laughs> well, I'm in my late 50s, so that's a start. Okay, but, you don't uh, seem so very I feel old. old. I feel older. <laughs> you weren't yeah. as old 21 years ago. Yeah, well, that's when I was in my 30s. So, yeah. I mean, I suppose my sort of trajectory or whatever you call it in terms of I've never felt like I've had a career as such. But <laughs> oh, I can so relate to that. Yeah, it's, yeah. for me it's just always been about um, just following my instincts of what I wanted to do and mm. I guess I was lucky to be around in the 1980s where I think there was a lot more support from government for community development and community yep. activism. Mm-hmm. There were lots of organisations that were funded by government to and lots of small groups in particular to to work on particular issues and to further that, whether you talk about it as policy development or straight-out activism, mm-hmm. governments were a lot more tolerant and even supportive of that. And yeah. I was I was lucky to, to be around at that time and I was part of the public housing tenants group movement at ah. the time. So I worked on public housing estates. Okay, as like a volunteer or is that like as a, a, paid a paid worker? Gig? So I've awesome. so yeah. yeah. So in lots of ways what I do has been a careerist thing. So um, so I've always been paid to do the activism or the, the community development work that I do. So I've been just mm. very lucky to be able to survive doing doing this sort of work. Uh, it's interesting that you're attracted to that kind of work in the first place. Yeah. Do you know what that was all about? Where did that come from? Well, there's been a lot of people that I've known who've, who who came into that sort of work and that activity at that time mm. who moved through it very quickly. So they saw there was this energy happening in this particular area of public housing and the need for it, mm. and they got involved... And, you know, there were quite a lot of radical campaigns at the time. There were mm. um, lots of demonstrations. There were occupations of buildings. There were anti-eviction squads. There were all those sorts of things happening in those days. Mm. And But a lot of those people then sort of went through that phase and then moved on to something else. So they were, mm. you know, just very much into political activism across a whole range of social areas. Mm. But for me, there was... I've always been connected to the issue of housing and, our, and, the, and what that fundamentally needs for people. Hmm. And then on top of that, when I came to this organisation, there was also an enormous attraction to to older people. And at that time, there were lots of older people in this organisation who came from very strong activist backgrounds themselves. Okay. So a lot of people who'd been in the Communist Party through the 
you know, after the Second World War in particular, uh, people who believed strongly in socialism, who were really fighting for a better world in, in its broadest sense and had worked on all sorts of campaigns, whether it's childcare, workers' rights, you know, whatever it might be. Mm. And then they've ended up in their latter years, so their older years, working in the same activist framework for Housing for the Aged Action Group. Hmm. And we were cited next to another, another organisation called the Older Persons Action Centre, mm. which again was a group of activist older people. Mm. Um, and sadly, that, that generation of older people, have a lot of them have passed away and have, or moved on into aged care accommodation, so they're not active any longer. Mm. So it's at a very interesting point of time at the moment where we're looking for the next generation, probably my age, mm. if they're in their 50s, to come through to acknowledge that we're older yeah. and to embrace it huh. and to also get you know, active in that space too. Yeah. That's right. You can get that. Sorry. Oh, okay. No worries. Um, Can you edit? Sorry? Can you edit as well? Um, This is all unedited, so this is just, you know, live. Good. Good. And I'm just wondering, so you had a staying power with this kind of work. And it it sounds like you were attracted originally to this um, almost like a radical element. Would that be right? Like back in your kind of early career? Yes, yes. Why that? Well, is there something in your upbringing or well, your parents like that? Uh, I don't know where it really comes from, but mm. I suppose just a strong sense of um, the impact injustice has on people. Mm. Like I can remember something that happened to me as a, a worker working on a public housing estate where mm. there was a, a spate of evictions being done by the Office of Housing at that time, or the Housing Department, and they were evicting lots of particularly single women with, oh sorry, uh, single parents with with young families, and for being, for for no other crime than being behind in their rent, so someone who might be a few weeks behind in their rent, these people were being thrown on the streets, and... I remember this one family who was a woman with two little kids and she was just thrown onto the street and we, a group of us got together and we said we're not going to put up with this any longer. We marched up to the local office of the Public Housing Authority and we walked in and we said we wanted an appointment with the manager and we sat down and we said, look, these people have got nowhere to go. You've got a responsibility as the housing department to to house these people. You've evicted them just for being behind in their rent for no other reason and they had these debts. You know, there was these substantial reasons why they had a problem. And we're not, we said, we're not going to leave here until you house them. And they said, oh, you've got to be joking. Look, we've been through the legal process. There, There's nothing else we can do. They've been evicted. And we just said, well, we're not moving until you do something about it. And it was just seeing, in particular the effect on these little kids about mm. being in that situation that was just so awful mm. that, that it was that almost a sense that if anyone anyone could see what effect that has on people, mm. you would feel exactly the same way mm. and you would want to do anything you possibly could to protect them and make sure that there was a, a 
a good outcome for them. Mm. So that was sort of the, the starting point for me in lots of ways. Yeah. We see that daily here where we yes. see people who come in for help in our organisation who are in a similar state where they're just completely stressed out of their minds with their, their housing situation. Mm. But I guess in a much more uh, professionalised way, we now provide a service to people that finds them or fast-tracks housing outcomes for them. Yeah. And we see the result of the, that good housing outcome, that it changes mm. their lives. It's, it's transformative. Hmm. And then people just get on and live happy, happy, healthy lives from that point onwards mm. for themselves individually. But again, that, that sense of wanting to contribute really we find is something that most people want to be able to do if they could just have a, lot, a stable enough life to be able to do that. Mm. And so we just provide the stability or provide the bridge to, to that stability for them, people now to live however they want to. Yeah. So I guess there's a continu- continuum there for me yeah. in, in, in the impact that that has. It, it sounds like that, that story that you told was quite formational for you, would yeah. you say so? Yeah, well, it was because it was mm. just very powerful emotionally to be in that situation to mm. feel quite responsible mm-hmm. but also not to accept the voice of authority that they are just going to say well this these are the rules yeah take it or leave it our attitude was well this is a bad rule these are bad laws you've got to change your laws because mm. this is an injustice these people have got the right to be housed yeah and not to be on the street so we again it was about turning that around that if they're, you know, like with any activism today around refugees or whatever it might be, um, it's not refugees' fault that they're here mm-hmm. seeking asylum. It's it's a responsibility for us to find a home for those people or to change our laws so that, that it's more welcoming and provides a proper outcome for those people. So we should yeah. keep fighting until that, that does change. It's not a question of charity. It's actually a question of justice. Yeah, exactly. And, and there were huge consequences because, again, as a, uh, an activist, as a funded worker, we lost our funding through all of that activism. Mm, and yeah, so, right. So there's all of that. So this is back at the original group that you were this part of? This is in the, the late 1980s. Yeah, yeah working well, on public, public housing estates. Public housing, yeah. What was the name yeah. of the group? Well, it was, it was called Brave Mason Public Tenants... Union. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so you actually lost your funding through the yeah. activism that you're doing. So that was quite yeah. costly. Yeah. Um, and at that stage, when I was describing before that there was a lot of government support for activism. Yeah. At that stage, there were about, I think, around about 50 funded public tenant groups across Victoria. Okay. There were. Re- actually, I can't imagine government ever funding advocacy like that's just, yeah. <laughs> never experienced that yeah. that's what, what was happening in the 80s that's what was happening in the 80s okay. there were there were regional housing councils yeah that, so in each region of victoria there were people working on much broader housing housing issues mm. and there was a, an organization called shelter which was a mm. statewide organization representing all of the others so it was it was quite a a sector in itself. So you had lots of public housing tenant groups, you had regional organisations, and then you had the statewide shelter as, as the peak body, in a sense. Yeah. So, and they would all come together at times for the, for the very big issues. Okay. 
And then here you were throwing your bodies on the line to actually stop people ending up on the streets. Yeah, and which so we also did physically because we mm. there we had other activities where we were actually defending people's homes physically. Yeah. yeah so wow. barricading ourselves inside homes <laughs> before people were evicted yeah. to try and stop it from happening. Were you effective? Um, well, we were on individual uh, on an individual basis. So yeah. some of those evictions, if we could stop people being evicted physically, mm. then warrants would expire, that sort of thing. And we had lawyers who would also then take those cases to court and try and turn mm. turn around the the, uh, the 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 decision that had okay, been made. Okay, so using a combination of direct action and, and then legal action. Legal action, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about I'd that? I'd probably stop- say in the long term we probably failed in the sense that there was a lot of defunding that happened out of those activities. Yeah. So there were there were long term consequences of government deciding we're, well we're not going to fund organisations to to kick us in the head. Mm. We uh, so I think government sort of learned a lesson from that too. With, with HAG, do you walk that line today? We, we do, but, you know, I guess we're a much more diplomatic organisation than we okay. were in my younger days, I suppose. Yeah, because you receive uh, some government funding, we get, we get a lot of government funding now, yeah. yeah like, so yeah. we provide uh, the services that I've been describing to, to rehouse people who are in housing jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So we, we have that sort of welfare service in that sense that we do provide direct assistance to individuals um, and yeah we we get about 1.6 million dollars in funding in fact mm. to, to provide those services mm. so I guess we we need to protect that service because we we see it as a fundamental service for the community that the people deserve to have um, so that that does limit our ability to be activists these days although we still do, uh, sort of push the boundaries from time to time yeah. and, and we do get burnt still. And we, we, We've only just been talking amongst ourselves earlier today that um, uh, that we're sort of having difficulties with the Labor government in Victoria at the moment because of our... Uh, because we've been campaigning for certain things that they're not happy about. So, mm. again, we just sort of are always tweaking it to see the best mm. way to actually push things as far as we possibly can. Mm. So, what would you like your legacy to be? Of the work we do? Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, in some ways I joke to people that ever since we've been activists since the 1980s, things have just got worse in housing. So, yeah. <laughs> But like, imagine if you hadn't have been there. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well it's... Uh, you probably things would have been worse, but, yeah, I guess... The tide has been turning much more broadly, I suppose, in terms of the political situation in Australia mm-hmm. and just in terms of housing. There's been much less investment in public housing since the 1980s. So I think one of the other trends has been as, um, as governments have tightened up on that expenditure on public housing, they've also made sure that they're not funding organisations that could expose that right. issue. Yeah. So that's really been behind it. So I, I guess the, the legacy we'd like to see is really unfulfilled and that's really the right for everybody to have a decent home is such a basic thing. 
and that we believe that's really achievable, but mm. there needs to be a, a very big shift in the way Australians look at their housing, away from private ownership of, of housing, moving right away from that towards the right of everyone to have a have secure tenure yeah. and affordability and those fundamental things that make people happy on a day-to-day basis that we see through our work, mm. that at the moment we've got a really unequal society. It's about, you know, it really is between people who own property and those who don't. Yeah. And um, we need a lot more European-style housing models of social housing uh, with secure tenure and uh, one we won't stop the work we do until we achieve that. Mm. But we're almost at a, a low ebb at this point in time, we feel, that we're really you know, still working to try and get progress, mm. so to try and change the cycle around again. Yeah, there's a Titanic that needs to turn. Yeah, and look, hopefully, I know... Everyone thinks it's a terrible thing that uh, people like Donald Trump have been elected in America. Mm. But in some ways we feel like things have to get worse before they're going to get better. Yeah. Like we need, we've, we're seeing a right-wing reaction at the moment mm. in all sorts of ways with One Nation and all those sorts of parties and right across the world that we feel like the left need to re-energise and refocus its energy to, to fight back. And that there are there are a lot of people hurting out there who are who are attracted to the right at the moment for some reason because they're they're trying to the right's appealing to to that group of people who are different disenfranchised. Yeah, to their their experience of injustice. Yeah, but we know that the right aren't there to help no. that group of people. They're actually <laughs> out there to punish them. Yep. <laughs> and that it won't take much time for people to realise that. Mm. But there's a vacuum there. Probably with the left, I think that the left. We need some people from the left to step forward mm. and to provide a vision for for people. Yeah. That you know will hopefully then start to turn things around again. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm. And and Jeff, when you're not fighting for justice, what do you do for fun? <laughs> do fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a question. Uh, I suppose I love just really basic things like. Um, Home life, gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, Where do you live? All the base in Preston. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You've got a garden there? I've got a really good garden, and I'm oh. lucky to be a homeowner. Oh. Well, I've got a significant mortgage, but... But you've got security. We've got secure tenure. You can literally so, put down roots. Yeah, that's right. And mm. we, we bought a house in the early 1990s where we had a young family, and for us, um, we just got on the, the rungs of the ladder. We had very little money to to pay for a deposit, but we did that and struggled for many years with, with, with a mortgage, and we still do, mm-hmm. but we can now manage it manage with, our, with two full-time salaries my partner and I have Yeah. to cope. Um, yeah. But I don't know how anyone can do that these days. Yeah. So things were difficult then, but it's much, much, much harder, harder for people now. now. Yeah. So, you know, we would... I guess that's why we fight for other options these days because I know at that time we were looking for, we weren't thinking about home ownership at the time. We wanted some sort of cooperative that we were interested in getting involved with, but they just didn't exist then. Huh. So, yeah. yeah. I love it that I asked you 
what do you like doing for fun? And somehow oh, like, we went back to, back to back to house again, again, which is great. It shows you shows how much you live and breathe this stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it is the home, isn't it? It's the, the home. home. Home is where the heart is. And it's actually, it's a, you know, you have a vision for something that brings life to people. It's not, it sounds like for you it's not just about the fight. It's actually yeah. it's about creating something yeah. really important for well-being. Yep, I'm a real homebody. And I, yes, <laughs> I love the home. So. That's why you do it. Because exactly. you're a homebody. Thank you. You've, you've analysed me personally. You I love know. it. All yeah. right. Well, great to talk with you. <laughs> you Thank too. you very much. Appreciate it. And we'll chat later. Thanks, Adriana.